think, 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 think. Got it. One, two, three, four, five. Once I got up the seven, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then I let it go again. Why did they tick? Let it go, cause it bit my finger so. Which finger did it bite? This is the finger on the right. I've been interested in audio and recording ever since I can remember. Early audio footage, though a little embarrassing, and yeah, I know, that is quite the lisp, is testament to this. When looking back, I'm acutely aware that this fascination was a direct result of the various home recording and playback devices that I had access to from a very early age, all the different formats I encountered, and the intriguing artwork found on a wealth of vinyl, albums and singles within the household. And of course there was a very hallowed process of capturing and playing back sound, either for posterity or simply for fun. Memories of being introduced to a very elegant, though slightly intimidating looking, Grundig 4-track home reel-to-reel tape machine that required just a little time after initially being powered up before use in order for the components to heat up, have stayed with me long in adulthood. I remember the near reverence I had for this mysterious device, and its ability to play back material both recent and old. Whether that be full albums or song compilations, kinda like the first generation of mixtapes, radio music shows of the day, political documentaries or spoken word plays, and even the odd TV programme recorded for specific purposes. All and more could be found on a range of family tapes that varied in size, playback quality, colour or leader tape, and of course content. A few hundred nationalist and socialist Irish revolutionaries seized the general post office and other well-known buildings in Dublin. Juju is often set against high life as a legitimate development of tradition. None of your nasty Western stuff. But to define Juju is less easy than to recognise it. Like high life, it's a style, or a number of styles, or a rhythm. Peter Kearney describes his feelings about a Scot who was in danger of being a forgotten man, John McLean. We're hearing a lot these days about student unrest. On television, we see their slogans about Vietnam, Rhodesia, Biafra, and causes related to the need for change in society. He looks healthy enough, doesn't he? But this is how he was found, unwanted, abandoned, bedraggled. Spillers took care of him and fed him Winalot. Winalot mixed with meat, because meat alone is only half a diet. The Sun newspaper, October the 11th, 1967. A report from La Paz, capital of Bolivia. The body of a thin, brown-eyed gorilla with legs almost severed by machine gun bullets was flown out of the steaming jungle of Bolivia by helicopter today. Government doctors and fingerprint experts examined the body, then telephoned the presidential palace at La Paz. An official shouted, Yes, it's Che. Peyton Parker was dead. His body, with a broken neck, swung gently from side to side beneath the timbers of the Owl Creek Bridge. I recently began to digitise this now rather dusty collection of quarter-inch reels, and although there was an air of familiarity regarding some of the music that came to life on playback, 
there was still a wealth of fascinating and captivating material that I could now, after all these years, really begin to fully appreciate. Perhaps some of the more intriguing finds were spoken word letters from distant relatives, separated by both location and now by ever-increasing amounts of time. Yes, say hello to Murray. Hello, Murray. Hello, Rosemary. Hello, Rosemary. 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 Here was the ability to listen with great clarity to voices of family members who cheerfully recounted what was, at the time of recording, current events, family news, education or career progress, a touch of local gossip or intrigue perhaps, along with copious amounts of heartfelt well-wishing, and all frozen like an audio photograph to be held in a timeless state, or as long as the tape spool allowed, or indeed was even kept, hence the sudden and determined resolve to attempt a more permanent housing of this precious cargo of information. As a child, Operation of this recording device was largely carried out by my father, who may have initially allowed the odd observed button press as means of assistance. My own recording experiences, however, did not begin with this rather unwieldy and confusing machine, but were instead first carried out on a portable cassette recorder, which was far less cumbersome and more easier to negotiate for little four-year-old fingers. There was a great immediacy that was very appealing, and that mysterious excitement of playing back, with a slight pause before hearing what had actually been picked up and how, well, that was everything. From a youngster's perspective, there were other weird and wonderful machines of interest. Music systems that could vary wildly in terms of design and complexity found in the homes of family members and friends. Speakers, amplifiers, cables, connectors, turntables, playback devices, and all with a dizzying diversity of buttons, pan pots, faders and meters to navigate. There was often a certain uniqueness to everyone's various setups, and you fairly quickly got to know the mannerisms and characteristics of particular quirks of certain equipment. Teenage years and rookie musical pursuits heralded in the age of the four-track Porter Studio recorder, multi-tracking performances whilst creatively devising means to maximise track count and employing some rudimentary effects to proceedings along the way. The durability of the cassette format proved indomitable and the four-track was the mainstay of any group or collective who strived to capture, create and further their <coughs> artistic aspirations. For me, the same eagerness to listen back to what had just been captured was still there but now we also had the added magic of being able to record on top, to layer and build compositions by carefully arranging track content, sacrificing generational life to bounce between tracks in order to free up others and continue the practice. This was simply bliss. Working at a studio introduced the possibilities of multi-track recording that extended to a far more professional potential. Mixing consoles, patch bays, outboard compressors, noise gates, effects units, and the multitude of microphones on offer were all employed in an effort to transport sound and performance from source to a monster 2-inch 24-track tape machine. There was a sense of having come full circle, once again utilising a format that required considered attention, detail and careful management in order to operate. 
though this time I and my older fingers were in charge of spooling the tape and attempting to guide the audio to its destination. The first night that myself and friends were able to experiment recording in the studio after hours, with all this equipment at our disposal, was definitely a high point in terms of engagement with the process. But at the same time, the swift transition to the adoption of digital practices was already well underway, and with it came fresh considerations. New technologies, software and techniques required to facilitate the transition from the analogue domain into the digital realm and back again. Now, some 20 years or so on from the initial excitement of having the run of a recording studio with facilities that were extremely and professionally substantial, though inevitably choice finite due to the format limitations of the day, the near-complete digitisation of sound production has provided users with theoretically infinite options in terms of track count and signal manipulation. The only restrictions these days largely boil down to the processing ability of your system, and of course the limits of your imagination. Though regarding the latter, if you follow the history of sound production, this has very much always been the case. Initially, as computer processing power increased, paired with the rapid development of ever more sophisticated and compact equipment, so too did the potential opportunities for those working with sound across all mediums. Coinciding with the gargantuan wholesale evolution of the music industry at the time, which had to contend with the realities of product digitisation and downloading, record labels eventually stopped chucking money at anything other than their very select major artists and income generators. This resulted in the culling of swathes of bands and performers that proved to be, in their minds at least, financially unviable, and they generally set about tightening the purse strings in an attempt to recalibrate the loss-making business model. One of the many knock-on effects of this change in approach and distribution of revenue, along with the rapid technological changes that were underway, resulted in what became known as the Studio Wars. Not quite as exciting as you might think. A fire sale of cut-price recording time ensued, as many studio facilities made a desperate attempt to maintain an income and keep their heads above water. But for many, unfortunately, the game was up. It was simply unsustainable to continue and the casualty count was high. Over time, however, both the industry and those working in it inevitably adapted. And although the dust is yet to settle on the implications of online streaming, the current methods and approaches used to capture, process and distribute music and audio are continually being tested and further enhanced. The digital revolution now means that the moniker of sound engineer can be associated with a wide range of skills and disciplines covering an array of different projects, productions and mediums that are still evolving and will continue to do so. These are very exciting times for music and creative sound production, though I guess really they always have been. We're keen to investigate the current audio engineering landscape in its many wide and varied forms, whilst also meeting some of the individuals who are able to bring and instill their passion and excitement when capturing and working with sound. We'll want to try and find out what drives them, discuss their approach and workflows, and look at some of the equipment and software that they use in their creative process. And that lies at the heart of what this podcast will attempt to achieve, an exploration of a range of sound engineering and audio recording related themes, topics and specialisms, 
in which we'll speak with some of the people actively devoted to their particular area of expertise or interest and allow them the opportunity to articulate what it is they do, how they do it, and perhaps even to find out why. We've decided to call this podcast Return to Zero. It's from here that we'll start our journey, and you're more than welcome to join us. <laughs>